Quantum Conversations, your portal to the inner realms. Access infinite possibilities, infinite mastery, and infinite love. Mind-expanding, heart-opening conversations with some of the greatest spiritual teachers, luminaries, and healers of today's world. Usher in new earth by living in your sacred heart. Quantum Conversations is brought to you by AcousticHealth.com, home of music from the universe, online healing retreats, and this program. Claim your free registration to daily shows at AcousticHealth.com. AcousticHealth.com, your portal to the inner realms. Our program starts shortly. Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. My next guest is here who channels the white-winged collective consciousness of nine, and she brings forward many messages about our time and how we can truly move into new earth. Magenta Pixie, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Welcome to Quantum Conversations. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much for inviting me. We're going to learn about the white-winged collective consciousness of nine. First, I want to talk about you as a little girl. You were always connected to the fairies, and now you have a book, Masters of the Matrix. When you stepped into your true beingness of who you are, your authentic self, it did bring forth that part of you as a child that used to be connected to the fairies and nature. So can you share your story and how you got here today doing this beautiful work with the consciousness of nine? Yes, the memories of my childhood and how I would link to fairy energy kind of came back once I took a conscious spiritual path in life. I think it all becomes part of childhood. You don't really remember your childhood games necessarily as anything specific. And then when you go into a spiritual journey, these memories come back first of your own childhood in this life. And then, of course, you start to move into memories of other lifetimes and then memories of um, higher dimensional existences and all those things. Um, so for me, I think it started the first memory I have of anything kind of spiritual happening or anything uh, otherworldly. My father was an opera singer uh, when I was very little. I was about three or four and um, an actor as well. So he was doing like summer season um, when he wasn't working with the opera company. And he used to take me into hypnosis when I was very little, as young as sort of three or four. And I do remember he I think he was kind of learning hypnosis um, it, it wasn't the same back then when my father was young where there were like exams that you could take and training you could go on you know you had to kind of learn this yourself and he just read lots and lots of books and sort of taught himself really how to 
hypnotize others and how to move into self-hypnosis. So I think he kind of practiced on me, which um, looking back now, I realize why that happened. It would have created a magical energy for me. I would have had a, a magical sort of magician around me at a very young age. It would have kept me open. It's, it, it was training. It was it was training. But I didn't obviously know that back then. And I didn't really know that until the last sort of couple of years as I've had more downloads and more information about the training that has occurred with all the starseeds. They've all had this since childhood. So if the starseeds look back, they will be able to see where their training was, but they wouldn't have known. So it's this amazing grand mm-hmm. plan that is going on. And it's it's amazing when you look at it. So um, I do remember him hypnotizing me at one point, And I remember being in a bubble above my body. So whether he hypnotized me to go out of my body or whether he was <coughs> hypnotizing me to be relaxed, I'm not sure. But I just remember being in a bubble floating above my body um, uh, and, and seeing my body just sort of sat on the floor looking at my dad. And I was about four then. My father was doing sort of magical things with me. When I had a headache, he would touch my forehead with his silver ring and say, this is a magic ring and it will take your headache away. So I was used to all this kind of stuff. I was growing up with all of this. And um, my father was very busy in the theatre. <coughs> so the, the times that I had his undivided attention as a little girl was when we were doing these magical workings. So it kept me interested in, in that esoteric world from from very, very tiny. I remember when I was about six or seven. No, no, I'd have been younger, about five. My mother and father got some of these um, uh, ESP cards where you have to, you hold them up and you say whether they're wavy lines or a star or a square. And they were testing them on each other and testing them on friends. And I remember being in the room and then my father saying, you know, let, let let her have a go. Let's see if she can do it. And I didn't really understand what was happening. So they sat me down on this chair and they had these ESP cards in front of me. And, um, and I was, you know, saying wavy lines and square. And I remember after they'd gone through it, they were both looking at the book saying, it can't be. No, this has got to be. No, this can't be. Do it again. Do it again. And they kept making me do it. And I kept getting these incredibly high scores. So my parents were like really excited that they had a child with ESP. Um, I don't remember them sort of carrying on with this work together because they separated when I was about seven or eight. And then my mother kind of went into a different path. And my father remained in that in that sort of hypnosis he's always been that way but I didn't see as much of him um when I was younger so then I started to kind of go into a world of my own so my father wasn't around as much and my, but I started to read very early I think at the age of four my mother would taught me to read so by the time I was seven I was reading novels and she bought me my first Deanie Blyton novel so it's all about fairy stories the magic faraway tree the wishing chair where they're going through portals and finding wizards and so I would go into this world of Deanie Blyton and that kept me awake I was mm. more focused on that world than I was on the real world. A hundred percent. As a seven-year-old child, my head all day was wizards, fairies, pixies, and this imagination world. And I, and I was pretty ungrounded as a child. I was late. I didn't 
get my clothes on right. I didn't brush my hair. I always looked a mess. I was always late for dinner <laughs> because I just was in this world. I, mean, I got mm-hmm. told off so badly by my mother um, and by the school when I started at school t- being told off for daydreaming. I was always there. I'm never really shut down properly except for maybe in my sort of early to mid-teens I did shut down a bit because things my focus changed but so mm-hmm. after that fir- those first couple of novels and I think I pretty much read every book Amy Blyton has ever written and she was the most prolific children's author ever and I mean I just have my head buried in her books just constantly um I didn't just see them as a story to me they were telling me about the real world it's like this was like one great big clue. I had absolutely no doubt that it all existed, that magic was real, that fairies were real. And I had no doubt whatsoever. And I remember sitting at the bottom of my garden. We had like a wild bit at the bottom of the garden where it wasn't cultivated and there were stinging nettles and, you know, weeds and all sorts. And I thought, well, that's where they'll be. They won't be in the in the in the tidy bit where the lawn is mowed. They'll be down in the overgrown bit. And I would just sit there and beg them to talk to me and I'd say please show yourself to me I promise I won't tell anyone that I've seen you I know it's really hard for you to show yourself to me please show yourself to me but they never did physically but I used to hear them and feel them Mm. I felt their energy I knew they were there loads of them I could feel them looking at me and I remember them saying to me one day or something that translated to one day you will see us be patient this kind of thing and I was very frustrated I would actually be in tears I'd come in in the house and cry and sob, why won't they show themselves to me? It was like I was lost. I was lost in this world that was just no magic. Where is the magic? That's how I was as a child. <laughs> you were waiting for your your senses of the eyes to see them, but how beautiful that you felt the energy of them. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember that. And then my, my parents... Um, divorced, well, they split up and um, we moved uh, down to the south. I was in London. I was in London as a child and then we moved down south of England, which is where I am now. And I was, I hated moving. I was so upset. I'd moved from this great big, old, fallen down, rambling house with a huge garden that obviously for mm. the adults was really hard to maintain and a mess. But for me as a child, it was just amazing mm-hmm. to this sort of modern, tidy, looking house which had no magic i used to feel mm. the energy of 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 gardens and of houses and of areas and of places so i was happiest at home because my ho- my house in london was so old i think it was either georgian or victorian and the the um i now know uh, obviously i wouldn't have known back then as a child but i know that 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 stone the older stone here, here in, in the UK, I'm sure it's the same everywhere, is it was built with a different kind of material that used to, that holds energy. And mm. as a child, I would just feel like the house was alive and I felt the house loved me and was protecting me. I felt all this. And when we moved down here, it's a different kind of brickwork. I think the, the bricks they use in more modern times are, have more metals in. They don't hold life anymore like the old brickwork. So I never felt the energy. And I remember being very, very upset and actually saying to my, to my mother and my, and my, my stepdad, um, you know, 
there's nothing to do here and they didn't understand what I meant and I'd say there's nowhere to play like there was in London mm-hmm. and at right at the bottom of the garden there was a fallen down old shed that they were going to pull down and I was in such a state and obviously they wanted me to settle because I was not settling at school and not happy at all with this move mm-hmm. and they said how about if we give you the shed the shed is yours I was like, yes. So that that sort of made me excited because it was old. It was made of wood. And so that's where I would go. I'd go and sit in the shed and and that's where I would talk to the energies, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Praise child. (laughs) Yeah, that's so beautiful that you were so connected. Are you still connected in that way? Yes, feeling the energy because then you became able to channel the white-winged collective consciousness of nine. That's Mm. a very interesting one. Before we get there, though, I do have a couple of questions about your story that you shared with us. You had mentioned that you had memories of higher dimensional experiences. And then you also said that star seeds have had this training, too. Yes. Both of those aspects. How do we recognize these memories of higher dimensional experiences from our childhood and how do we recognize ourselves as starseeds and having this training? Well, your first question, um, some people do actually have memories of, uh, if it was strong for them, it might be something like they knew that this world wasn't right. They mm-hmm. knew something was missing. They knew yeah. that they were different. They didn't, they knew there was something inside them that they couldn't speak about. Um, you know, that sort of thing. W- with me, I actually was, when I was seven, I just remember sitting there trying to move a cup with my mind and I remember sort of please why won't you move and and trying to sort of project some kind of beam of energy onto this cup and it wouldn't move and me getting very frustrated and remembering that I used to be able to move things with my mind I remembered that when I was seven and Mm. I was frustrated like why I can't why can't I do it now other memories would be triggered and this is very common with the star seeds for example the tomorrow people where they would hold their belt and jaunt I I just knew that it was possible to you know teleport from one place to another um uh, escape from from which mountain with Tony and Tia, the original, mm-hmm. uh, right at the very end, these, the, you know, out came the spaceship and they were really extraterrestrial children. I mean, I was just glued to that film because I knew mm. it was something to do with me and I was somehow like Tony and Tia, but I didn't know how. The star seeds, what, what's actually happened is you have to have this amnesia to come into this reality. So the individuals that are blueprinted to come in and not hold starseed memories um obviously talking in multi-layers here because you can change your blueprint but let's just say there's um a whole load of people on this planet who aren't blueprinted to remember who they are so they will have more or less a full amnesia then you've got this service to self structure that will have come in um with partial amnesia so they remember like who they are and then you have the star seeds the service to others higher dimensional structure being incarnated with partial amnesia so the codes within star seeds are sort of um 
lying dormant but almost switched on as in waiting to be triggered and then one when one star seed triggers themselves then they can trigger another and trigger another and there are obviously triggers on this planet they're waiting to trigger us in artwork in films in story in music um so on the one hand, if starseeds look back, they will probably remember times when they had these feelings. Um, now, what was your second question? You've done a beautiful job of addressing it. Um, oh, have I? Yes. <laughs> you know, how we really recognize, I know that many listeners are feeling their starseededness in always knowing that we are here to do service to others or uh, to fix things that just do not look right. And so I love what you said there about it's, this is lying dormant. Many of these codes are lying dormant in the star seeds waiting to be triggered. And it's very important for the arts and the films and stories and music to bring forth this new creation. The question was, how do star seeds know if they've had this training? Or yes. how do we really fully understand the triggers, I would venture to say right now, a great awakening is happening. Many triggers are coming out and the importance is to keep it in the new, what we want to bring in, not watch the old crumble. So how do we identify those triggers then, those trigger points? Very, very um, personal and unique to each individual. And how I knew about this, um, obviously, I knew about the training ground, which is sort of different. That's more about the permissions and etiquette that you are given when you're training for the job that you are going to do. So that's different. But the training now, how I learned about this was I was looking at the service to self structure and actually unraveling it a bit more and looking at, at what these, um, you know, these crimes against humanity. What, as, what is it that the uh, service to self structure has actually done? And I'm unraveling this and I, I'm doing this via downloads and via remote viewing, but also some research. And in my research, I came across some information that um, is saying that these service to self individuals, the, the this group you might call the Illuminati or the elite or the cabal or, or whatever, that they train their their children right from birth potentially before birth and they go through this extensive um you know well i guess you could call it mind control rather than training and it and it's really mm. really awful but basically the service to self structure have have taken each child within their Illuminati family and thought, right, you're going to be in the media and you're going to be a musician and you're going to be a doctor and you're going to go into politics. And they've all been rigorously um, forced training. It's not it's not good. It's not positive at all. It's it's um, absolute control. Um, but they have had these children working from birth getting ready for the job that they want them to do. So when I looked at all this and I thought, gosh, this is just so awful, you know, these poor children. And then I, then the nine said, 
about this counteracting this sort of um for every for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction and the star seeds are the reaction to the illuminati action if you want to look at it in that linear sense ultimately it all happens at the same time but if you want to look at the the physics of it then we are as star seeds counteracting we are coming in and standing as a as a as a mirror uh, but an opposing mirror to this service to self structure so they said to me so too have you star seeds been trained from birth for exactly what you need to do in exactly the same way but not with control it's it's not a forced mind control with the star seeds it's free will the star seeds are given free will to choose so they have this blueprint and the blueprint will have all these experiences within it that you will um go through that will be preparing you for the job you are going to do when the time comes for you all to stand up and be be needed which of course we know is now every star seed working right now in the light healers channels um you know reporters mediums on all these levels will have been trained from childhood from birth for the job they're doing so the way to to know where your training is is to look and see where are you now and look back and see what have you done throughout your life that's given you the skills you needed to be here now if you can't see that line then it might be that you haven't quite found your mission yet um so that's a clue to your mission what is it that you wanted to do when you were a child what were you always thinking about what was your childhood dream that will lead you to your mission but for those individuals that have found their mission or obviously have begun to open to their mission the mission never just stops it's always ever ever evolving but for those individuals who found their mission and know what their mission is they will look back and they will know throughout their life now i know why i did this and why i did that and why you know this happened to me when i was 3 or 10 or 17 or whenever it may be this is what the nine have told me we the service to others structure has done the same thing as the service to self but not with control so but the service to self frequencies haven't been aware of this they're thinking that they can control the planet forever because you know they have these extremely well trained children from from birth but the service to other structures done the same thing so now everyone's ready and in place they've had their training and they didn't even know that they were training because it's free and it was done with love and it was done with choice and it was never forced and it's not mind control it's it's joy it's the complete opposite so that's how i found out about this that is beautiful i know many listening know their mission and they can certainly resonate with all of that and we can see the steps so thank you for explaining that it is time for all people to voice what we want to protect i know many light workers have been last year feeling like they were hiding it did feel like that and there's no more hiding now so we step up and go forward with no fear and we be a beacon for others who need this triggering and this remembrance thank you for that once again let's talk about 
the nine, the white-winged collective consciousness of nine. This is very interesting. It's an Arcturian frequency as well. And they have said some things about the DNA being on the light ships. So I know our listeners are really intrigued about that. Explain how you first came to meet the nine, and then we'll talk deeper about their first message to you. Okay, well, back in 1993, um, I went and saw a medium work, and um, I was very sort of uh, awestruck, really, and I kind of knew that I was going to do something like that and that I was here to do something like that. And I started reading some books and I came across a book called Channeling. And within that book, it described a particular meditation you could do to meet your spirit guide. So I started to do these meditations and it did take me a while. It said in the book, you'll meet lots of false, false guides. And because I'm so suggestible due to sort of the hypnosis, I guess, my father took me through and um, I went through these false guides uh, scenario, just like it said in the book. Really? <laughs> and then, if, yeah, I mean, I, I think, as I said, I'm, I'm really suggestible. So I think I'd read it and thought you will meet false guides. And then that's what happened. And that that was fun. And that was interesting. And now Basically, that was in the meditation. Exactly. All in meditation. Mm-hmm. And I went straight into a deep visualization. I didn't wow. struggle with that. I, my first meditation, but because my father had taken me through hypnosis since I was very young, mm-hmm. taught me self-hypnosis at the age of 11. And back then, um, you know, I'd go through this separation where I would lose myself and then this aspect of me that I called subby, which was the subconscious mind, would speak to my father. So I'd already... Once the brain has worked that way, the brain doesn't forget. It's exactly the same as going to the gym and, you know, using your muscles. Your muscles have memory and they remember the exercises you've learned. So it's the same with the with the brain. So when I went into meditation, it was similar to hypnosis, but different because in hypnosis, it's more of a, a sort of, you know, um, it's kind of more like a trance and you're kind of under something. It's like you're just under the level of the sea, if you like, um, I guess. And with meditation, you're more aware um, and, and, the, and the deep trance state of meditation is different, but it's very, very similar. So in meditation, I followed these meditations and um, it said in the book to question each guide that comes to you. Ask if the guide is of Christ consciousness or are you of the Christ or something? I don't remember the exact words mm-hmm. that you had to say, but it was something like, are you of Christ consciousness, which I now know that. Every guidance aspect that's coming to you is a part of your greater, um, you know, sort of hyperspace, if you like. It's not possible for them to say, yes, I'm of Christ consciousness when they are not. It is not possible for them to do that. Um, there are certain sort of laws, if you like, that permeate through this hyperspace reality. So every guide that came along, it was a visualization where you're sitting in this sort of temple on a cushion and this other guide walks in and sits on a cushion. And I have this similar meditation on my YouTube channel, which I created sort of based on that one I saw in the book that helped me. Um, I would all these different sort of uh, extraterrestrial looking beings and guides and all sorts of different, um, you know, uh, ascended master and human type uh, spirit type guides would come and sit with me and I would they would seem quite friendly. 
Um, but they seemed kind of like ordinary, like me. There wasn't really an energy about them. But then I wasn't really looking for an energy because it didn't say in the book, you will feel an amazing energy. It just said your guide will let you know if you say, are you of Christ consciousness? Your guide will say yes. And you'll know that it's your guide. So I would say, are you of Christ consciousness? And this guide would always say, oh, no, I'm not. You got me. Mm. And off they'd go. Or, or they do sort of pull a funny face at me and like oh you 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 know you've sussed me out no and you know they'd stomp off and I'd come out of meditation and think what am I doing wrong and I remember saying to my brother it's just gone on for days every guide is just like no I, I just can't meet my guide it's not gonna happen and I just I just kept trying I and then I started to set my alarm at 3 a.m because I I I I don't know where I got the information from but I read somewhere that 3 a.m was a very powerful time in the night and i now know that that that's still to be the case but really wow. it's it's 3:33 not mm. necessarily 3 a.m it's 3:33 but i di i didn't know that at the time but if anyone wants to know that now if you want to work with deep meditation 3:33 is very magical so anyway i would wake up at three o'clock and i do these meditations and then one day this this guide this 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 light being just walked towards me and i didn't even have to say are you of Christ consciousness? Because I just remember being absolutely blown away with the energy and it was so overwhelming and wow. so pure and so very powerful and loving. I remember all my chakras just sort of blasting open and I felt like crying. In fact, I probably did cry because and I said, you are of Christ consciousness, aren't you? And then they said, yes. And it's just, it was just amazing. And, uh, you know, it was just so lovely thinking about it. So that was my awakening. I now know what happened is you, you are, you are awakening. What you're actually doing on, on a sort of biological level is a, you're triggering the DNA field, the memories, that which scientists call junk DNA. You're waking up those dormant codes and when it comes to the brain you are um, utilizing a different brainwave state so you've got this sort of I don't know alpha and beta so I don't know if it's delta or, or if it's beyond the, the nine just say beyond the theta is what they say to me I'm not a neuroscientist so I don't really you know know that much about brainwave states but I know that it's they call it beyond the theta so I know biologically it's a change in brainwave state. And I know that it's a triggering of that um, that dormant DNA and waking it up. But I didn't know then. Back then, my interpretation was I've met my spirit guide. I didn't know who or what my spirit guide was. So I then began a series of conversations which only took place in meditation. This light being started to show himself to me uh, in the form of an Indian, a red Indian. And then I, I remember saying, oh, a bit disappointed because I thought red Indians, I thought everyone had red Indians for guides. And I, I was just hoping I might, might have something different. And so he then sort of morphed into a, a Zulu warrior, which <laughs> I knew, knew nothing about. I'd never had any wow. connection at all with, you know, Zulu warriors. I didn't even know what they what they were. 
Um, so this conversation began in meditation. I was currently living in a flat with my brother and he had studied spirituality and to a certain level. So he was kind of teaching me the benefit of all the things that he had learned. And I didn't really know anything about this other than the memories of the magical childhood I had. And I hadn't put the two and two together at all then. So I was sort of going into this completely as a beginner. And I remember he would ask me questions and I would go into meditation, ask um, this, this spirit guide told me his name was White Spirit and he would answer the questions. I'd come out of meditation. I'd tell my brother the answer. He'd then have a load more questions and I'd go back into meditation and ask them and come back out. And then on this one particular day, he asked me some questions. So I think, OK. And then all of a sudden, as I was trying to remember the questions, thinking I'll get into meditation now, all of a sudden, it was like this click in my psyche. It was just like this this shift. And all of a sudden, it was like I was in two worlds at the same time. And white spirit was there. And I wasn't in meditation. And I remember being very freaked out and really, really ungrounded because I didn't have the Internet. I didn't have books to teach me about this. And so I was like, He's there. My brother's like, what do you mean he's there? I said, he's, he's here now. He said, what, you mean you can see white spirit? I said, yes, he's talking to me. I don't have to go in meditation. He's answering your questions now. Mm. So my brother's like, well, what's he saying? I'm like, hang on a minute. He's saying loads mm-hmm. of stuff. So this is how it happened. And then it kind of went on from there. And we had this intensive six months, me and my brother, where we were just questioning white spirit every single day. And he taught me and my brother at the time he taught us everything we were well my brother wasn't a beginner with spiritual philosophy but we were a beginner both of us when it comes to how to actually do this ourselves how to actually Mm -hmm. experience it complete and utter beginners and he taught me all this stuff and told me the answers to these things and and he was talking about a change on the planet and there would come a time when um uh there'd be everything would be so different that we would feel like we were living in some kind of story that life wouldn't seem real and that all these things would occur and there would be a transformation and that that humans would change going from one state of reality to another like a higher reality and this was happening over the whole planet and i remember thinking this was amazing and and of course when he kept saying in the future i thought well it's going to be next year sort of 1994 Four. It can't possibly be much longer than that. Two years at the most, you know. <laughs> Why mm-hmm. would he tell me this stuff like 25 years in advance? <laughs> um, and so, um, and I do remember him because I was doing drama. I started doing drama uh, at the age of seven, and then I did lots of amateur dramatics. So there's a lot of my training. I did lead roles in play after play after pan- and pantomime and musical and drama. I was with the um, National Youth Theatre of Great Britain between the years of 14 and 19. Um, So I was well trained as an actress, believing that that was my path. But of course, it's the same thing as doing what I'm doing now. It's just a, a different version. Drama is a wonderful training to be a channel. So anyway, he would use the um, sort of theatre uh, sort of um, theatre metaphor to talk to me. And he would say, this is a rehearsal. In fact, it's a dress rehearsal, but it's not the performance. OK, so I understood that the real ascension, you know, I didn't know you know what it would be but the, the real moment when everything changed when we would go to this higher vibration or higher 
sort of uh, higher aspect of, of Earth and everyone would change. That's not yet. We were in a dress rehearsal phase. And he said, I'll tell you when the when the when it's showtime, you know, when it's time for performance, I will let you know. And having been trained in the theatre, obviously, if someone says, right, it's performance time, you know, curtain call five minutes, um, I, I'm ready. But I never got I didn't get that 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 message. And, you know, I carried on and I carried on working with White Spirit. And and then I kind of forgot. And I thought maybe this whole thing was just me imagining things. Nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. I remember doing a few tarot readings for friends and working with him. But I kind of kept my conversation with White Spirit um, private for, to, to just a few well-known friends and, and my brother and my dad. Um, it's not something that I went public with at all. And then um, a bit later on, so this is fast forward, maybe, I don't know, eight years or so, seven, eight years. Um, I was working spiritually with a, a friend of mine. Um, and well, it was actually a relationship. I was with a, a boyfriend um, who was far more into spirituality than I was. He was older than me and he was a typical sort of guru type. And I just thought he was amazing. And he was teaching me all this stuff and kind of training me. And I remember one day he, we would go through days of training where he would ask me to channel. And then um, he was teaching me how to channel without me knowing what he wanted, what the question was from him. He said, if you want to be a good medium or a good channel, don't interpret. Oh, I don't yeah. want you to interpret. And I'd say, yes, but it, no, it doesn't. You, you tell me what your guides are telling you. And he taught yeah. me to do mm. that. And I'm so grateful for him because I had no idea at the time that I would be doing what, what I'm doing now, apart from the odd um, the odd little sort of uh, vis visual that I was given, me with headphones and a microphone talking to people all over the world, mostly in America. I was given that back in 1993 and I had no idea what it meant. And I thought it's either me having some massive ego thinking I'm going to be speaking to people all, all over the world or maybe I'll go on the radio. I didn't even have a headset at the time, never heard of computers. So, But yeah, I saw, I saw that back in 93 and didn't know what it meant. But anyway, so he said to me one day, can you ask your guides this question? And I remember saying, guides? Well, there's, there's only one. And he said, oh, no, 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 they're always a collective. Mm. It's always a group. I said, is it? And after that happened, and we did separate, we weren't together, you know, too long. And But after that happened, um, I remember White Spirit saying to me that he was going to be leaving, but he wasn't leaving, that he was actually upgrading to a different form. He was from the fifth dimension, another aspect of himself that was an aspect of himself, but also a, an individual aspect. I understood all this because I knew White Spirit was an aspect of me and that he was also individual to me. So I knew what he was saying. I was really sad to see White Spirit go, but there was a transformation that took place. And then White Spirit left and um, or or sort of morphed or changed or upgraded. It was a really big thing for me. I remember shutting myself away for several days while all this was going on. Um, mm. And then one white-winged being. Now, obviously, it was an angel, but I wasn't sure that it was an angel because it sometimes had the face of a bird with big white feathered wings and sometimes uh, was just a man with jeans and a white T-shirt on. And then, But most of the time, it was this winged being with a human face, so it did look like an angel, but I wasn't sure of what it was because it kept changing. And then after my 
my partner had said to me, um, my friend had said to me, uh, it's always a collective. Within a few days, they morphed. This one white winged being morphed outwards into sort of several mirror images of itself that were all the same, but also all different. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I am with a collective. And what actually happens here is you feel it. It's not just a visual. It's not just a clairvoyant visual. When white spirit morphed into the angel, then it's like something had gone up in me. It's like another expansion in the brain. It's like the chakras were open a bit more. And then when they morphed again, there was like this change. It's like you're going into this deeper trance i now know that it's the brain waves and the dna going into a, a state of expansion but i didn't know that at the time so i remember counting them and there were nine of them and i couldn't kind of get my head around the fact that they were angels because they didn't seem to just be angels and they told me that they weren't just angels they were extraterrestrials as well and all these other things so i asked them their name uh they they said they didn't really have a name they did have a an energy signature a frequency which was kind of like a cross between a sound and a tone and a sort of load of geometric codes so I said oh I couldn't really decode what their name was so I said well you're a collective consciousness you have white wings and there's nine of you can I call you the white winged collective consciousness of nine they said yeah that's 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 fine with us you know so that's how I met the nine <laughs> oh my goodness you are amazing magenta that you could experience this would you say that with white spirit this you said white spirit was from the fifth dimension and you saw him. That was through your third eye, right? Yes, it was kind of, um, to me, it's like I always had a very vivid imagination anyway. And having been in the theater, you need that. And you do training exercises where you're doing, you know, improvisation and you have to use your imagination. So that was all very well trained and strengthened. But with white spirit, it was like like the imagination, but um really really profound in its in its weight in its mass and so the nine have told me that the imagination is this is the, the the step into hyperspace and there are layers to it fields to it so that you know you've got the first level which is your sort of your own creativity and then you have the next level which is like higher creativity then you have the next level which is like um creativity that's beyond your knowing and what this also is is memory as well so your imagination is a key to all of this um, so, yes, that's that's how I, I saw them. It was like um, an inner sight, but I didn't see them with uh, it's it's so strong that you you feel like you're seeing them in actual physical reality. But no, I, I'm I'm looking in the room and my my physical eyes are seeing the normal room. This is all taking place within the deeper aspects of what I would call the imagination, apart from mm. a couple of times um, when I once asked them, this was white spirit, actually, I said, can I see my past lives? And after much discussion and telling me about my past lives and you know, it's not such a great thing. Are you sure you want to do this and all this stuff? I said, yes, I was actually transported into a vision and I lost the sight of the room that I was in and became the person that I was. And when I looked out of my eyes, I saw 
the you know the the other room or the other um, environment from the other life that's only ever happened the once and they were incredibly profound visions one after the other of several lifetimes Um, the other time I saw something and it wasn't the nine and it wasn't white spirit but I was concentrating on um, when you focus on something and you give give something your focus you can change energy and I remember focusing on um I can't remember I think it was a photograph and then I did actually see um like a a white light that did look like a being but other than those two times everything has been within this actually no there was a third time my my son who is now 22 was newborn at the time my partner was younger than me and he did not know how to feed a baby. So to cut a long story short, he heated the, his bottle up too hot and burnt my baby's throat and my baby couldn't cry anymore. Mm. So I took him. So I had him at the doctor and couldn't cry. So it meant he couldn't make a sound when he woke up in the night and was hungry. He couldn't cry. And I was really worried thinking, how am I going to know when he's hungry? So he was in the cot next to me and I got someone tapped me on my shoulder And I opened my eyes and there was a man, but he wasn't really a human man, stood in front of me. He had a lovely vibe. He wore a long, dark grey to black cloak, a huge pointed hat. He had a sort of a, a, a sort of an unusual looking face, but he was very, very kind. And he just pointed to the cot, disappeared. And my son was awake, wanting his bottle. Now, what the nine would say that is to explain this is number one yes it's an astral traveler a being that stopped by saw my baby was crying saw that the baby needed feeding and did me a favor to wake me up all of that is true but also this is my own brain my own um higher brain waves if you like the empathic and psychic link with my child an aspect of me knew he was awake and so I created that scenario in order to be able to wake up that's also true so there are two explanations both just as true as one another as to what that was and that's a really important thing to get across because a lot of people when I've had clients Mm -hmm. come to me Everything is still quite separate in the mind of somebody who's just woken up. So it's like, well, this is an angel. This is an extraterrestrial and this is my higher self. And then that's my own um, brain. And, and, you know, that's my emotion. And they're all these separate things. And of course, they're not. Uh, They are in in a lower dimension when we see things as separate. But when we take the higher dimensional viewpoint, all of these things become unified. And that's how we go into expansion is by seeing all these things. They are actually one and the same thing from the higher perspective so that's kind of an important thing to get across so so yes that's that's the three times I've seen something with my eyes everything else it's been within the deep imagination fields the feeling so I feel the emotions of of the uh, whatever it is they're showing me I see the pictures I feel the emotions and I can hear them speaking as well Wow, that is really fascinating. We are going to do an online healing retreat with you. It would be so beautiful to take that topic a little bit further and a little bit deeper. Yes. And I know that you've got beautiful work that you teach on really creating our reality and working with that original human template so that we can unlock these codes and 
be what we came here to be and do. And yes. so I find it fascinating that it's our deep imagination fields. That's where science would say, no, you can't use your imagination, but you're saying we absolutely have to. And I loved how you also explained that it's in two aspects at once. Yes, it is an astral traveler, but it's your own brain and your own filter through your imagination that got that to work. So yeah. we will have a better understanding of truly how this works as science and spirituality continue to merge as they yes. are. But you explained it very well there. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about the message from the collective because, wow, that is really cool. We learn more about DNA and our off-planet existence. Yes, well, you remember I was saying about this sort of theatre metaphor. Mm -hmm. In 2008, they'd been talked um, about all sorts. And then in 2008, they said, do you remember when we said it was a rehearsal? And I said, yes. <laughs> I said, well, now, really calmly, now it's it's the performance. I said, what? What, what now? Because I'd actually given up. I thought it's not going to happen. I was crazy. It's just, you know. I said, what, you mean? It's now, as in right now. And they said, yes, yes, now is the performance. Mm -hmm. And then they said about, um, you know, it's time to go public. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's time to go public. And I said, you mean tell people that I talk to you? Yes. I said, who do you want me to tell? And they're like, everybody. Oh, and I was, that was a big shock. And then they, I said, where are these people I need? They said, you need to connect with these people. And this is something else I've known since childhood, since very young, that there were this group of people, loads and loads of people, all that were the same as me, like a, like this huge family. And there would come a time when I would need to connect with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I've known this right since a child, which is one of the reasons I went into drama, because that's where I found the people that were the closest to me. So, he, you know, back in 2008, they said it's time to connect with the others of, of like mind. And I said, well, where are they thinking there might be a group sort of a mile down the road? Is that what you mean? And they pointed to the Internet. And I'm like, oh, of course, you know. So that's when I started to look online and, um, you know, find other groups. And that's when I a few months later, I think I started to upload the videos. So that's kind of how that happened. So since that time, they have given me so much information about so many different things. Um, uh, the, the DNA, uh, the information they've given me about DNA is that DNA is like a blueprint for life. It's like the seed of life and it's seeded throughout the universe, not just in this galaxy, but seeded throughout the whole of the universe. And then it grows in similar but slightly different forms in, in, in depending on the um, the terrain and the environment of the planet it's on. Um, so with us as humans, um, we have this 5% of DNA that scientists will call the genetic code. And then there is this sort of 95% junk DNA that the scientists don't know what it is. That is the the imagination, but it's more than that. That's memory. It's memory of all that's ever happened, all that's happening now and all that ever will happen. So it's memory going forward as well as back. It's it's the information of everything that's ever happened. So you could call it the Akashic Records, if you like. That junk DNA isn't just in one dimension. It's a multidimensional code, which is why the scientists can't see it, because they're looking in a linear sense. They're looking with a third dimensional 
technology and that won't be able to see this multidimensional code that's in that you know junk dna and it's far from junk mm -hmm. so um so that that's one of the things they've told me about is about the dna and of course that's what they are that's who the nine are in fact i've actually come to the point where i've i've looked at dna um structures the names you know adenine and I mean, I'm, I'm so not into science, but the, the names of DNA and they'll say, well, that's what we are. And I've spoken before about um, I read once about neurotransmitters, which are the aspects that the sort of chemicals that pass messages through the, the blood to the to different parts of the body. And they'll say that's what we are. And uh, another time mm. I was explaining to someone um, who they were. This was a guy who'd been taking a lot of drugs in his life and he wanted to understand you know who i was speaking to and so because what what the nine will do is they will use the person's philosophy and belief to be able to communicate with them so what they said was the uh, mind altering substance as as in if it was a a psilocybin mushroom for example the psilocybin the actual um the actual chemical that is the mind altering substance that's what we are and of course, that's DMT. That's what they are. They are a DMT molecule. That's who the nine are. So also they're extraterrestrials. Well, the extraterrestrials are a DNA, uh, um, a DMT molecule as well. Um, because when you're looking at extraterrestrials and you're seeing them in a linear sense, you're seeing them as being on another planet. Um, that's a linear perception. When you go into the higher dimensional aspect, they're us as well. They're us in the future in different time zones. And we can access them through this DMT within the third eye. So there's, there's so many ways we can um, we can expand. We can do it through so many different fields, through so many different subjects, through so many different forms of creativity. And the starseed movement right now is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. There are so many starseeds. It's just I can't believe how many there are when I actually look, when the nine show me how many there are awake now compared to when I first was looking in 2008 and 2009 and specifically in 2012. Now we're in 2017 and it's just it's just amazing how many there are awake. So, so many. And it's wonderful <laughs> because it's, they're so needed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so that brings us to a perfect time to talk about our current world here. It is interesting out there and now it's such a beautiful platform for creating the new with new ideas as that old is crumbling so let's talk a little bit about that because we really do create our reality and although right now when we look around us there are a lot of reasons to get distracted from that but if yes. we stay centered and uh, looking to these higher aspects of ourself and bringing them here in the now, that's really mm. the important thing to do. And that's the, that's the work. You had mentioned that you had heard, you know, they said now is the performance. And mm. personally, over here in the United States on November 9th, the day after the election, I had heard this is a final exam. Can we right. truly live? And it's not the final exam, but it's a final exam yeah. of truly living in our heart and moving forward with no fear. And oh boy, there's a lot to be worried and fearful about. I'm sure you can feel that even over in the UK where you are. 
Yes, absolutely, because it's all one place. Mm-hmm. Um, the America I've known for quite some time, the nine told me this a few years ago, America is like a central point. It's like a whirlpool, and it's really, really intense energy. And as it sort of spirals out, it spills out into the rest of the world. So it's like the central point, the, the center is America, even though that might not be the case geographically, energetically, when it comes to this shift, America's the central point. And I think many Americans f- do feel this because over the years, people have said, um, you know, th- even now, um, you know, politicians say this country and let's make America great and let's do this for America. And I think they're aware of that because obviously it's it's the world that that needs to be made great and, and healed and let's make the world great. But America is is a very powerful energy and it's a central point. And on the one hand, it's great to be there on another. On the other hand, it's 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 very intense and maybe it's easier perhaps to not be in America in, in a certain way. Um, uh, different perspectives there. But it's happening so very, very fast at the moment. It's faster this year in 2017 than it's been in previous years. The nine mm-hmm. call this the quickening at the moment. We're mm. in the quickening. That's been there for a while. 2017, they say, is the year of the phoenix, the phoenix rising. So you have this phoenix, mm-hmm. the ashes, and then, you know, so the, the rising is first C, the crumbled old structure, you begin to see the new structure. Now, we've known, the starseeds have known about this for a long time, but we haven't really seen evidence of the new structure. This year we are, and we're absolutely seeing it it now. Um, It's very intense. It's changing daily, every single day now, whereas around 2012, it was sort of maybe every month we might have an upgrade, and then it would sort of go still, and then there might be another upgrade. Now it's just daily. It's very intense. We're coming up to the March equinox which is a really pivotal point so space and time are all sort of part of these energies as well um what's actually happening right now is on the on on the on the physical level on the third dimensional level if you only look there and you just don't take into account any of the other dimensions you simply look in a linear sense you're going to see absolute chaos You're going to think, what kind of world am I living in? And people who are seeing it from that perspective only are going to just think this is dreadful. Now, what I what I'm going to say here is really important. The only way to get through this time is to wake up spiritually. It's it's like it has to be done now. It's, it's like you don't have the luxury of like 10, 15 years to, to wake up spiritually. You have to wake up spiritually now. You don't have to go and do 15 years of, of, of uh, study. You're awakening. The minute you wake up, you are in that energy. It doesn't matter whether it's taken you 20 years to learn your spirituality or 20 minutes. The minute you wake up and you are aware of that higher frequency in those higher dimensions and you're aware that there's another world and several other worlds that we can't see that are all this telepathic link the minute you're aware of that then you you are awake then you can start to get through all this because 
I think like Einstein said, you can't solve a problem from the level of the problem. You have to go above the problem to solve it, something like that. And that's absolutely true. When you take the higher dimensional viewpoint and you look down on Earth, you think, my goodness me, what an amazing plan. Everything's in place. The timing is impeccable. The joy and the, and the telepathy and the connection and the bliss that, that you will feel as you are creating such a wonderful thing as a new earth. That's what we're doing. It's fabulous. So the people who are seeing those higher dimensions are going to be feeling, despite what's happening on the third dimension, they're, they're going to be feeling euphoric. That doesn't mean they're not going to be feeling the third dimensional emotions as well. It's very important to feel them all simultaneously. If you leave one behind and you're just euphoric, then you aren't looking at the problem because down on the third dimension, there's a massive problem. You know, it's a mess, <laughs> you know, to quote your president. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's right. It's a mess. So on the third dimension, we we need to take a multidimensional viewpoint is what I'm saying here in order mm -hmm. to ride through this. If we take a multidimensional viewpoint, if we can see the problem, we can see how messy and how dire and how awful things are over there. We look up and see how amazing and perfect and fantastic things are there. Then we take that dual viewpoint. Then we can take action. And that's alchemy. You're alchemizing the two different vibrations and create or, or several vibrations, but you're taking the sort of lower energies of the third dimension, the physical world and the higher non-physical world, and you're merging them together. You're alchemizing your worldview, therefore you're alchemizing the cells of your own body and the energies within your body. That's what we all are being. And the nine say in, in the book, Masters of the Matrix, um, the Masters of the Matrix are the alchemists. That's a, The Masters of the Matrix is just another word. It's just another metaphor. Um, the nine tell me that the higher dimensional beings have come in to teach us using many, many metaphors through many, many channels, many, many starseeds, many, many conduits um, so these are different metaphors so that the message gets out because you might hear one metaphor and not get it and hear another metaphor and not get it but then a third metaphor and you might think I get it now or it might be you see this metaphor this metaphor and this metaphor you understand all three but the fact that they're all leading to the same conclusion and saying the same thing then gives you confirmation within your own personal research so so that's what's happening, really. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's it's uh, chaotic, and um, there will be a lot of people that are fearful on the third dimensional level, and they desperately need the healers. They desperately need to hear this information. Mm -hmm. um, but on the higher dimensions, everything is going amazingly to plan, and things are looking so good from that point of view. Wonderful. That is so comforting and inspiring, and it really, truly does speak to our hearts and remind us that when we stay there and move forward boldly, creating the new, that's what we're doing. And yes. as we see that 3D crumble, it almost seems that, well, you mentioned that beautiful metaphor of the phoenix rising, but it's also like it's it, it's allowing us to see that problem. It's almost like a karmic cycle coming back to be cleaned and we yes. get to react to it in a different way to fix it, to come yeah. from love. And so we're seeing a great number of people awakening as we've seen many people 
stand to voice their love for Mother Earth and for unity and for compassion and for yeah. peace. So it really is beautiful when, when you mention that. And how wonderful to be in joy, to follow the inner guidance and to be inspired. It's mm-hmm. that inspiration that is coming from the higher realms. Yes, and it's really strong at the moment. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, I yeah. am really looking forward to an online healing retreat with you because there's a couple areas where we can really go very deep into this. So, That'd be lovely. Yeah, thank you. I know so many are feeling the call to step up as healers or whatever, coaches, Leaders, new earth leaders, we call them. And Absolutely. everyone, you know, mm-hmm. so everyone listening to this show is here for that, that specific purpose right here in this timeline. So mm. gosh, again, so inspirational. You've lifted a little dross or a depressive energy from us and we are even inspired even more deeply. You also have beautiful ways that people can work with this information. You have meditations as well, and that's in your special offer. So can you take a quick moment and talk about some of those? Yes, I've got four collections of guided meditations, and and there are seven guided meditations on each collection, and they're all channeled uh, from the nine. Each one has a different... um, uh, sort of a, a different meaning, a, a different um, reason. Uh, so some are for inspiration, some are for healing. Um, there are some that are for uh, activation, uh, waking up um, sacred geometry around you to connect to that higher language, um, to build the matrix, the, be the architect of your matrix, which is really understanding the the, the sort of uh, higher reality around you and your place within it. So connecting with what the nine call the pillar of light. Um, there's also some guided meditations that take you into um, the elemental realm, which is very powerful. So that's where you'll meet all these wonderful um, archetypal beings that are the manifestations of nature, not just on this planet, but on other planets. So fairies and pixies. And um, there are all sorts of wonderful um beings that you will meet including Merlin so these meditations are there to activate you to to uh, open up that expansion to bring you into a place of balance healing higher understanding and really with the guided meditation when you're doing the guided meditation um, the visual given that comes in through my voice is um, a guideline to follow and if other things happen that are outside of of the visual given by my voice within the meditation, that's fine. You relax and let that happen. And you can do the same meditation several times and um, may experience something different. I do have one meditation specific for women, um, and that is uh, women who, uh, women are receptacles. They are receivers of energy. And often women will hold on to um 
energy that's no longer needed. So on a physical level and a psychological level and on a spiritual level, they may be holding on to energy. So I have one meditation that assists them to release that. And then I have also have a meditation for men, which is also a cleansing and a releasing meditation. But that works in a different way as men are givers of energy rather than receivers. So it's a different metaphor used within that meditation. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's what they're all about. So <laughs> they've helped lots of people. I've often used them with my clients who've, because I don't necessarily do a healing work as such. It's all just, um, responding to uh, their own questions when I do a session but the the healing w is to do with visualization and working with the emotions through visualization in in the book Masters of the Matrix that I wrote last year there is a, a sort of um, a, a healing aspect to that work and the meditations are the main sort of healing work that I that I have presented is through the meditations. Beautiful. Well, thank you for that. That is uh, quite a collection. So it sounds wonderful. The elemental realm or the pillar of light, build your matrix. We will end our program today with one of your meditations so people can get a feel for that. Wow, Magenta, thank you so much thank for you. being here. As we close today, I wanted you to talk a little bit about where the Collective of Nine is from. They are Arcturians, among other things. They're Arcturian in the sense that um, you can look at someone and see where their origin point is. Um, no one has an origin point. We're all from exactly the same place. We're all from source. We're all from every single planet and every single dimension. So from that mm -hmm. point of view, there is no origin. But when you look on a linear sense, you can actually look at a person and you can trace back their lifetimes, if you like, their incarnations um, to an origin point. And what that means is it's to do with retained memory. There is no beginning point uh, for a soul as it's never ending, but there is a beginning point where you begin to accumulate memory and then retain the memory throughout the incarnations. That's called individualization of a soul rather than this um, unification of a soul. So when you trace back a person, you can trace them back on a third dimensional level, on a linear sense to the origin point of where they began to accumulate memory. And that would take you to a planetary system. So with me as Magenta, I'm traced back to the Pleiades. That's me as Magenta. Now, the nine are a future version of me, as in everybody's collective guides are a future version of them. But when I say future, it is like light years in the future. It's like so far in the future. I have no idea when it is, but it's it's way in the future. So their origin point on a linear level, the nine, is Arcturus, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's where they began to accumulate memory as an individualized collective soul in the aspect that they present when they communicate with me because when they're not communicating with me they're not from Arcturus they are simply within that sea of oneness they individualize as form by virtue of their communication with me and they become a structure that's origin point from the beginning of accumulation of memory is Arcturus. So therefore, I have a link with Arcturus because my higher self is Arcturian and yet I, as Magenta, 
and Pleiadian. And I'm told that this is really common with starseeds. There's many starseeds who have a Pleiadian um, origin point with an Arcturian guidance system. The origin point for their guidance system is Arcturian. Very, very common um, pattern, Pleiadian and Arcturian sort of uh, twin flame connection, if you like. Thank you for explaining. That is fascinating. And I know it resonates with many as we look into our own linear timeline with some memories that we each have. Magenta Pixie, thank you so much for being here. As we close today, I am left feeling very inspired and I hope our listeners are as well. So many star seeds. When you look at the star seeds who are awakening and this great year of a great acceleration or quickening, oh, what do you see? You must be elated at that. Absolutely. And different, different feelings, um, and different energies within the dimensions. So looking on a multidimensional level, it's m- much more of increase of energy. Really, really important to stay grounded in this because you've got star seeds that have memory waking up in all sorts of areas. They can get a bit overwhelmed. So important to, um, meet with other like-minded individuals, see healers so that you stay grounded and balanced and, you know, eat eat um, foods that are going to um, assist your light body growth rather than uh, you know work against it um, so more of this more of this more people waking up all the time and um, people being able to see the deeper meaning behind everything as in this event is is related to me in this way and this world event is related to me that way so everyone's seeing their own personal growth connected with the world at large they are becoming um, unified with the world at large they're being able to see all these things that are happening and how they are related personally to themselves so there's a real connection there going on this is a multi-dimensional viewpoint of everything and um, you know moving really from a, a one dimension to another either a, a third dimensional shift through the fourth dimension into a fifth dimension and for many people there is a sixth dimensional awareness going on or you could see this as a third density to a fourth density shift that's another way of looking at what's happening um, on a third dimensional level only there's a huge uncovering going on. It's the nine call this the great reveal. Lots has to happen. And, you know, there are um, there is another group of individuals, this service to self structure that's working with like a strategy. They're very strategic and the star seeds are constantly counteracting this strategy. So they make a step and then the star seeds move and it's like this big chess game going on. And, uh, I see a incredibly successful outcome for the star seeds. This is the destiny for this planet and it's just, it can't be stopped. You know, the, the, the truth of, of everything is coming out. People are going to finally discover who they really are, um, and are going to be able to find their sovereignty. And eventually this planet will be full of people who are all spiritually awake. That's kind of where we're going. Um, and this is, um, 
a major seed point this year, 2017, into this, what the nine call this galactic society, this galactic awareness. Many starseeds have been aware of the planetary grid um, and the grids across planet Earth. And now the galactic grids are, you know, coming online. Starseeds are becoming aware of their galactic origins and their connection to the universe and to the planet. It's um, it's just a great revealing on all levels is, is what we're in for this year and beyond. Hallelujah. Okay, so hold on to our hats, stay centered, and anchor in higher dimensional viewpoints. Beautiful. Oh, very quickly, 6D awareness Give us a little taste of what we begin to experience with 6D awareness. Well, that's the understanding of sacred geometry, and we're only really sort of touching that. Some people are quite far advanced into the 6D awareness, but for the majority going with this ascension move, um, we're sort of looking at the first layers, I would say, and that is sacred geometry and number and working out our place within that. Um, it's we're kind of getting these downloads that we are translating. Uh, many star seeds, when they look within their imagination fields, they they will see this sort of elemental realm with beings and fairies and maybe um, ascended masters. And then there's another layer. There's another layer to that imagination realm. And then that's where the sacred geometry is. And so there's there's um, you know binary code and um, th this sort of light language and this frequency and then we're seeing these the platonic solids and what they're forming into and we'll be drawn to the um, the Merkaba and uh, you know the the um, mandalas and all these different frequencies this is the building blocks of reality and when we understand about the sixth dimension what we can do is formulate a pattern or allow the pattern to formulate and know that it creates a match within the third dimension. So say we want to manifest, um, you know, say we want to go on holiday. We can work with the sixth dimension and work out which number pattern and which geometric formation might be a match to the emotions we would feel if we were on holiday. So we'd be looking at releasing and relaxing. And, um, you know, there's so much we can do really with the sixth dimension. But really, it, it's about the awareness of sacred geometry and how we can utilize that in our lives. And I'm pretty much a beginner in that realm really the nine tell me that's that's their home that's where they live they are sixth dimensional and as we trans transition into the the fourth and fifth dimension they're transitioning into the seventh dimension then the nine are also moving up all the dimensions are shifting upwards um, all the beings that live in each dimension are all ascending as well it's like a huge ascension structure um so uh so, yeah, that's that's the sixth, sixth dimension is is that of geometry. And um, that's really uh, why I wrote this book last year that the nine came through talking about the masters of the matrix. The matrix is a metaphor that many people know as this sort of simulated um world that we live in very similar to the matrix films that's a metaphor very widely used and it's a, it's a good metaphor but that's not the matrix that the nine are speaking about in this book the mate the metaphor of matrix for this book is the what we know as the aura but it isn't an aura as in just a, a 
some light or color around us. It's a field. It's like a, a computer. And if you want to see it as a simulated field, you can. But there's a simulated field that's been placed there to, you know, trap us, if you like. And there's a field that is organic, that's natural, that's projected from source, that, that's us, that we can actually take sovereignty within. And that's the matrix that the nine are speaking about in this book. It's like a, a grid, um, a, a wheel uh, around each individual, around each structure. And it contains the codes for all of the memories, the individualized memories for that soul. So you can actually learn to work with that matrix. And that's also a sixth dimensional way of working. So if you shift your matrix and you become sovereign and you're sort of standing within the central point of the matrix and you become aware of it, then you can use that for manifestation for your life um, in whatever way you want to. It's it's kind of like a a geometric way of working with the law of attraction, um, which mm. the nine call the law of magnetic attraction. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter which visual you use or which dimension you're perceiving from. They all work together. So that's the sixth dimension. Beautiful. That would be a wonderful online healing retreat to go deeper into that. Yeah, that would be lovely. Yeah. Well, Magenta Pixie, this has been so wonderful talking with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you, Lauren. It's been lovely. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. Namaste. Namaste. And now we end our show with a beautiful meditation by Magenta Pixie. This is one of many meditations available in her special offer. Enjoy. Close your eyes. We would ask you to visualize before you a beautiful shiny black car. The chauffeur, dressed in a smart black suit, smiles at you and opens the rear door and gestures for you to sit inside. You feel very safe for although you have not seen this chauffeur or this car before, you know that they have been sent to you from your guides of higher light and love. You sit upon the comfortable, plush, velvet seat in the back of the black car. The chauffeur takes the steering wheel and begins to drive. You are driving across a road that runs alongside the most beautiful countryside. The views of the forests, fields and the hills are truly breathtaking. The sun is shining and you lean back and enjoy the drive. You watch life go by in all its natural glory as you survey the view out of the car window. After a while, you realize you are driving along a private country lane. A beautiful and very large house sits at the end of the long driveway. 
The house is large and airy and has a peaceful yet most adventurous vibration. You feel that if the bricks and walls of the house could talk about the memories and imprints they hold, they would indeed have some tales to tell. The chauffeur parks the car. Above the door is a large plaque which reads, The Science of Play Center. The chauffeur opens the door for you and gestures for you to walk through the door of the large house. You walk up to the front door and ring the doorbell. Curiously, an elemental being answers the door to you. The being has wings and is most unusual, but kind and friendly. Please come in, he says. You follow the elemental along the hallway until you arrive at a red door. The elemental smiles at you, bows, and leaves you stood by the red door. Written on the door are the words, play space. You open the door and you walk through. You find yourself in a large room with tables running the entire length of the room. On the tables are the most unusual objects. You walk towards the first object. It is a tetrahedron shaped puzzle, colored blue, red and pink. You reach out to touch it and it moves, hovering in midair before you. You notice that there are little buttons on the side of the puzzle. The first button says, happy. You press that button and feel the most amazing happy feeling run through you. Happiness is felt by you in every pore, every cell of your body. You notice another button that says, Bliss. You press that button and begin to feel your heart raise in frequency. Your body begins to tingle. You feel exhilarated, joyful, aware and utterly blissful. You look around you and see other geometric, colorful objects. Wow, what is this place? You ask yourself. A voice coming from somewhere deep inside you replies to your question. This place is the play space, a dimension where you may participate within the science of play. For play is your building block into the higher reality. 
Now you have opened this door. You may return here any time you wish to explore the higher realms of hyperspace through play. You notice a white door shimmering with light in the corner of the room. You walk towards the door. The words, there is no place like home, is written on the door. You smile and open the door, retaining the feelings of happiness, joy and bliss that were awakened within you through your play experience. You step through the door and find yourself back in your body, sitting comfortably. You slowly become aware of your physical body. You become aware of your toes. You become aware of your fingers, your torso. You become aware of your face. You stretch or move and you do whatever is comfortable. And when you are ready, only when you are ready, you open your eyes. for listening and thank you for dancing with us in our collective intentions as they go across the universe to the cosmic heart I'd like to thank my wonderful team at AcousticHealth.com Heidi, Tony, Tom, Pam, Suzanne and Garner who assist with the production of Quantum Conversations online healing retreats and more And thank you, too, for listening. If you've enjoyed this program, please share it with your friends and loved ones. And we thank you for shining your magnificent light and adding it to the world. This is when we love ourselves like no one else can. We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste.
Quantum Conversations, your portal to the inner realms. Access infinite possibilities, infinite mastery, and infinite love. Mind-expanding, heart-opening conversations with some of the greatest spiritual teachers, luminaries, and healers of today's world. Usher in new earth by living in your sacred heart. Quantum Conversations is brought to you by AcousticHealth.com, home of music from the universe, online healing retreats, and this program. Claim your free registration to daily shows at AcousticHealth.com. AcousticHealth.com, your portal to the inner realms.